Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my show. I am so pleased and thrilled today to welcome Kim Sorrell. She is going to talk to us about love in a very unique perspective that I just enjoy hearing about. I've had a brief conversation with her about these things, but I am so eager to hear her expound and tell me more about uh, the way she sees these things. She's done some research on the topic. And again, I love her perspective. So uh, without saying anything more, let's go ahead and have Kim tell us a little bit more about who she is, any biographical information you want to share here. Let's go for it. Okay. All right. Well, um, where do you begin with a question <laughs> like that, right? It's so open-ended. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 18 years old. Wow. And uh, yes, my goal though, I was going to be the first woman president of the United States. Mm. <laughs> and in having that goal, I wasn't sure a husband and kids would fit in. <laughs> But I knew two things. I knew what I wanted in a man if I ever were to meet a man. Mm -hmm. I knew he had to be over six foot tall because my five foot nothing mom married a short man. <laughs> and I wanted him to be really good looking so he'd look good in my wedding pictures. So I was obviously a very deep thinker back in the day. So at 17 years old, mm -hmm. May of my senior year in high school, that man walked into the room and I was immediately smitten. And 10 days later, I asked him to marry me. And he said, yes. That's How crazy is that? We got married a little less than a year later. I have five kids, 11 grandkids. So uh, yes, I've been in the business world forever. I run a nonprofit. Did you say 11 grandkids? Yeah, 11 grandkids. You look so young. You're so sweet. I would never think you had a grandchild. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. That's really kind of you. But yes, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But yeah, I'm an author speaker. I actually, I have a, a network TV show launching wow. called, yeah, called uh, Heart and Soul with Kim Sorrell. It's coming out very soon on several different plat streaming platforms. So wow. anyway, that's me, I guess. Wow, that's a lot of you. <laughs> I'm so impressed. Wonderful. So let's jump in because I want to certainly hear what you have to say. So my first question is, I know that you are considered a love expert. So let's jump right into it. What's the meaning of love? What is the meaning of love? Well, just a little backstory is that I was diagnosed with breast cancer and four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer mm -hmm. and passed away six weeks after that. Mm -hmm. And it made me question some things and it made me question love. Like, what is love really? I want to make sure I'm doing this life right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I would go on this year long journey, dedicate an entire year to figuring out the true meaning of love. It was sort of a eat, pray, love kind of a, of a journey. <laughs> And it was crazy. I was in Haiti most of the year. And so I was chased by a motorcycle gang. I got lost on a mile high mountain. I mean, yeah. just crazy. I know crazy stuff happened. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Why Haiti? Of, of, I have nothing against Haiti, but how, how was it Haiti? Well, when I was ready to go back to work physically, mm -hmm. After my stuff I had to deal with, you know, with the cancer, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I kind of wanted to take life slow because it was so unexpected. You know, all of a sudden I'm alone and never expected to be alone. 
We were going to be those 95-year-olds on the front porch on rockers drinking lemonade and smiling at each other, you know, whatever. Gumming so, each other. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And so I used 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast. I, and I dedicated one month, an entire month to each of the words. And there are actually 14 of them. So it took me a little bit longer than a year. So, uh, but when I was finally able to go back to work, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I ran into a man who was running a nonprofit that my father and I had started 10 years before. Mm -hmm. And I said, Hey, do you need any help? You know, what about bookkeeping? And he's like, Oh yeah, gosh, bookkeeper. And so I started as part-time bookkeeper for this Mm -hmm. organization. And 12 days later, there was an earthquake in Haiti that killed 200,000 people. So I went from part-time bookkeeper to 24-7. And within two weeks, I was in Haiti and then spent at least part of every month uh, in Haiti for the next several years. Hmm. Wow. I'm glad I asked you that. (laughs) You are amazing. Okay. (laughs) I interrupted your thoughts. I don't know if you finished where you were going with that, but um, you were talking about um, being a love expert and uh, you, did you basically finish everything you wanted to say? Oh, well, I've I've got plenty to say, but it'll come up. I mean, about that (laughs) that question. (laughs) We already know it'll come up with us. So it's okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So tell me about your book love is which chronicles your study on the topic of love uh love is is not a unicorns and rainbows kind of a love book Hmm. i start each chapter with what i think it means you know like we know what patience is or kind you know some things seem so obvious right Mm -hmm. and then i finish each chapter with what happens in haiti the story that happens uh whatever it is that god hits me over the head with to finally understand that principle of love, that that word, that phrase. And so it tells the stories and what I learned. And so it's uh, nitty gritty, down and dirty. I mean, it's the real life, what, what happened and what was going on during that time. Wow. So um, love is... Uh chronicling your story and your research and and all of it okay yes what are one of the things that you found out that was just wow well you know every month was wow for me (laughs) and had I even stopped at just the first month it would have been wow uh but you know I learned things about love in general like there's an umbrella you know definition sort of of all love but like in particular the very first month, love is patient. You know, you know what patience is. I know what patience is, right? You're not honking your horn if you're stuck in traffic. You're not mm-hmm. mad because your six-year-old can't find their shoes and you're trying to get out the door. You know, mm-hmm. you stay calm. But I figured out that you put love is or love is not in front of any word or phrase and it changes everything. Yeah. Kind of like what we were talking about before, a little bit, what we were talking about before we started that we need to go into after right. I tell you about love is patient. Yeah. So I believe you're supposed to love everybody. You yeah. know, we've been told we're just, just love people. How much freedom is there in that to just love people? It's your only job. Your yeah. job is not to judge or condemn, right? Your right. job or fix people. It's not our job to fix people. Our job is to love people. Mm-hmm. So in that you love, love everybody. And so whoever you're with, you're showing them love that is patient by realizing that this is the most important moment of your life. What's in the past is in the past. What's in the future is yet to come. This Mm -hmm. is the moment. And when you recognize that, then you engage fully. Then you are fully present. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, this did not come natural to me at all. I stunk Mm -hmm. at this. Like I would be talking to somebody and think about a meeting I had later, what I need to get from the grocery store, who needed to get to soccer practice, you know, whatever. And think that I was hearing what was being said. And really what I was hearing was what I assumed was being said based on some label I put on somebody or whatever. And love doesn't have labels. Mm -hmm. So love that is patient. You are fully there, fully engaged. And it opened up my ears 
Like mm-hmm. I hear things I never would have heard. Wow. And it just changes everything when you're fully present. And you can tell, right? When somebody's 100% there for you, yeah. you can tell. You can mm-hmm. tell if somebody's distracted or if they're there. And there's no love and distracted. The, <laughs> the love just isn't there with distracted. <laughs> That's amazing. And you know, while I was listening to you, I was thinking about some of the things that I've thought about that phrase, love is patient. Um, I feel like I've had places in my life where I've been challenged to be patient in areas that really me, Pamela, I feel like you shouldn't have to be patient in this area. Like, (laughs) like, um, patient in sickness while you're waiting to be healed, patient, um, in those tough situations in life. And, um, love is patient. Um, So if I believe, and this goes back to um, something I started sharing with you before, Um, my aunt and I are prayer partners and we um, discuss things. And this very morning, we were having a chat about God's love. And I was sharing with her that the more I understand, the more I have a revelation of how much God loves me, it makes everything okay. It doesn't make bad things go away, but it makes it okay because God loves me. So I was given the analogy of um, when you're with a parent, let's just say that you have some extreme poverty. You don't have any food. You may not have enough clothes, but you're there with your parents and you know they love you. So even though you're having this struggle, it's still kind of okay because those loving parents are there and you kind of know, you know, they love me. So they're going to figure this out. They're going to figure out how to feed me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm hungry right now, but eventually they're going to figure this out and I'm going to have food. (laughs) Right, right. I was relating that to even God when we're having a situation that's uncomfortable or really hard. Um, I'm there with my parent, God, and he loves me. That I know he loves me. So I'm having this tough time, but he's going to figure it out. He's going to help me. He's going to get me out of this situation. He's going to show me how to get through the situation. Um, That's what we were talking about. And so Um, when I shared just now about love being patient, even in a storm or a trial or a test, um, love being patient is not just about will you listen without being distracted? That's a big one. Because how many of us feel like, (laughs) are you even, are you even listening to me? Are you with me? I'm pouring my heart out and you're doing something else. That's a huge one. Um, but I, I, I also attribute it to stuff like it has nothing to do with other people. Just, just me with myself, uh, understanding patience with difficult things that I'm facing. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting because that, you know, cause there's, there's patient and there's love that is patient mm-hmm. and you know, what you're describing, I think is, uh, I'm happy that you just said that. Because I think all of the things about love also have to do with life in general. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's hard to think about you having the flu and thinking mm-hmm. I have to patiently wait to get rid of the flu. Well, I think that's probably just patient, not love that is patient. Because, mm. you know, but some of the other things you said, yes, my gosh, uh, very interesting. Like, like waiting to see if you're going to get that job right? Mm -hmm. Or waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen next in your life or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you know, that would be love that is patient for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And God, Mm -hmm. God is love, right? I mean, in John, it says that God is love. God is not that God loves, Mm -hmm. but that God is love and we're Mm -hmm. created in his image, which Mm -hmm. means we're love too. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing that I learned is People like to think of love. I used to think of love as more of an emotion, mm-hmm. a feeling. And then I realized it's it's so much more than that. 
you know, if you watch a scary movie, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but watch a scary movie and then that night you hear every bump and creak and everything, <laughs> right? And you're so afraid. <laughs> and fear, fear is an emotion. And But you don't live in it. You don't right. live in it. You know, right. the next night you're better. You're a night away from the scary movie and you're you're okay. You can sleep. But love is something you live in. Love is something that you don't hang up at the door ever. Love mm -hmm. is something that you are. How you choose to live it mm -hmm. is completely up to you. Mm -hmm. But but you are love. I mean, love is is who we are. Yeah, and I guess I'm taking what you're saying. Like when you say God is love, that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it too. When I describe, you know, waiting to get out of a bad situation, love is patient, meaning love as God. God is patient. And when I understand his love for me, it helps me <laughs> to be patient and to understand that this loving God, this God that who, who is love is going to meet that need. <laughs> mm -hmm. So true. So true. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, wow. um, I want to hear more though of your perspective because I got all excited about it when we had a brief conversation <laughs> a few days ago. <laughs> um, so what compelled you, actually, I think you may have touched on this, but maybe you can tell us a little more. What compelled you to research love? Well, like I said, you know, losing my husband, I think and thought then that the best way to honor him is to live fully, to give it everything I got. You know, sometimes you see people in grief and they feel like they're dishonoring if they laugh again, right? Like it's, sometimes people just need permission. It's okay to laugh again. It's okay to enjoy your life. There's nothing you can do about it. Like if I could change it and my husband could be here, mm -hmm. I would do that in a heartbeat. I would, I would love to do that, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And so I learned that there are things that you can control and things you have no control over. Wow. So I, you know, I would not choose cancer. You know, I had no control over that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't choose losing my husband. Right. It wasn't a choice, but I can choose how I'm going to live and I can mm -hmm. choose how, how much joy I can control how passionate I am to serve others. Those are things that are within my control, within my choices that, that I choose to do. And so I wanted to make sure I was honoring him completely. And that's, that's so why funny. I questioned love. And, and also I, you know, the whole WWJD thing, right? Mm -hmm. What would Jesus do? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was quite a movement for a while and you still see it places, mm -hmm. but Jesus is different to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, to some, he has love and peace and mm -hmm. everything wonderful and God. And to other people, he's a heretic or he's the mm -hmm. angry Jesus flipping over tables in the temple or he's <laughs> a prophet, you know. So what would Jesus do? Different Maybe people can answer different. that different ways. So I have wristbands that are WWLD, what would love do? Mm. Because love is universal. I like that. Yeah. If you understand love and answer questions that way, you, you're doing the right thing. I never thought about it like that. You've opened my eyes. I've never thought, what would Jesus do and considered the various ways that people think of Jesus? So um, that's kind of eye-opening to kind of flip the coin and look at that side of it. And then I like your answer to it. What would love do? That's mm -hmm. great. And, and everybody understands love to some degree. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, okay, that's great. And I really, really appreciate um, that all of this was born in a way, even from your love for your husband. Um, he kind of inspired you uh, to move down this path in honoring him. And I mean, your story touches my heart so much. You first got cancer. And he was there being supportive of you. And then you guys shortly find out uh, that he has cancer, but his result is different. He doesn't make it. Mm -hmm. Man. Well, yeah. 
I hope you can feel the love I'm sending you right now. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Thank <laughs> you so much for that. Yeah. I mean, what a bizarre thing, right? I mean, I, yeah. I don't know anybody else that, that this particular scenario has happened mm -hmm. to. And so it was, it was unique, but uh, God was showed us so much mercy and grace. And it was, we had a wonderful six weeks together, just an incredible six weeks. He was expected to live a year, maybe a little bit more because he was mm -hmm. six foot three, 175 pounds, very active, ate right, ate, even took supplements, like was very healthy eater. Although he did often say that donuts were the fifth food group. So <laughs> not a hundred percent. I'm with healthy. him, especially if it's a maple bar. <laughs> yeah so uh but but he was a healthy guy and so they they thought it would be a lot longer than six weeks but uh so six weeks in and but our prayer from the minute we left the doctor's office and got his diagnosis was lord heal him like you did the blind and the the lame and the leper or the ultimate healing of heaven Mm -hmm. which is the ultimate. I mean, that's our goal, right? So the ultimate healing of heaven, but please don't let him suffer. Yeah. And he had a great six weeks. We watched Cash Cab and played gin rummy and mm -hmm. did whatever. I mean, we just had a great time. And uh, it wasn't until the very end. It was, he woke up on a Sunday morning mm -hmm. and he was in pain. And I called the hospice nurse because it had been totally controlled before then. And I called the hospice nurse. She came right over. And she gave him more morphine. And and uh, he was sitting on the edge of the bed because laying down hurt. Mm -hmm. And so I was behind him, holding him from behind because I didn't want him to fall off the bed. And she was on the phone in our bedroom calling for a hospital bed and a commode and whatever, because we didn't have any equipment. We had nothing up until this moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I said to her, do I call my kids? You know, what do I do? And she said, uh, no, 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 you got lots of time. And I said, are you sure? And she's, she's like, oh yeah, you know, weeks for sure. But I could feel his agony. Like it was becoming part of me. His just, I could just feel. And I just, it was so hard to see him like that. And so I just, I just whispered in his ear and I just said, baby, just go. And he never took another breath. That was it yeah wow yeah so it was yes but god's mercy all of god's grace and mercy the entire way i mean for him to only have suffered pancreatic cancer is the most painful cancer they say and he just had this moment right of misery and and then so many people linger yeah. right? So many people hold on to life and just for whatever reason, linger, you know, for weeks, a couple months, you know, whatever. And I'm grateful to God that he didn't have to linger. He was a faithful, incredible guy who got up at five o'clock every morning and was on his face before God reading his Bible and a devotional book. And he just chased God his whole life. And so Heaven at he was 51, I was 47. And so heaven at 51, you know, go you, Steve. You know, he he ran the race, he finished strong. You know, I lost my brother around the same age. Mm. Um I was around 37, 38, and he was uh 39, 40. Um so wait a minute, I can have it off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is a it's not around the same age, but um, I lost my brother to um, colon cancer, mm. and um, we were really really close, and it was the same thing where I had to come to the realization to to let him go and just you don't want to see him suffer, mm -mm. and we prayed, and he had a he suffered a little longer than your husband, but it wasn't a very very long uh, time of suffering, and. It's interesting to reach that point where you love somebody so much you'd rather see them go than suffer mm -hmm. um and then we also believe that to be absent from the body of be present is to be present with the lord so we're happy that they're not suffering and they're having a more beautiful um experience 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I had that situation happen just a few months ago with my grandmother. But uh, yeah, I I understand um, to an extent. And I say it that way because every relationship is different. <laughs> sure. And I don't ever want to belittle someone's um, experience by saying I totally understand. <laughs> right, right, right. We don't. Yeah. We don't. <laughs> yeah. But that had to be so hard with your brother. I mean, it's hard with a grandma for sure. You know, that's hard too. But when somebody is so young. Yeah. And. And we were yeah. so close. Most people thought we were like twins. Oh. Uh, yeah, my mother just raised us in such a way and instilled such a closeness in us that um, it was it was devastating to me. <laughs> mm, I imagine, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the one you think is going to be with you the long run. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it was just exactly. the two of us. So yeah. to yeah. go from having a brother to then being up only child, so to speak, you know, in a weird sort of way. Uh, But anyway, um, I appreciate all your sharing. And again, my heart does go out. But you know, one thing I just, I keep saying in my mind, as I'm talking to you and listening to you, observing you, I know my audience is not able to see, it's just audio. But you have such a positive something about you. (laughs) And I love it. I'm enjoying it. (laughs) yeah well I feel the same way about you you just glow you just glow and (laughs) and I can tell it's because of your love for Jesus I mean it's because of your love for God and 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 your love of helping people and wanting to help people and and I'll tell you I learned uh without anybody ever saying it I don't think I've ever read this anywhere but going and serving in Haiti going and working in Haiti, that, that healed my grief. Mm-hmm. Like service is healing. So service is healing. You know, when you get outside yourself and outside your head, right. So and you serve other people, there's healing in that. I've experienced that on more than one occasion, but the biggest one that comes to mind is I was going through a huge challenge at work. I mean, oh my God, it even created such anxiety in my life. And in that window, Um, I was a manager at the time. And in that window, uh, one of my employees came to me and asked me for prayer. And um, I didn't even know really that she was paying that much attention to the fact that I'm a Christian because I'm not I'm not like real preachy. (laughs) (laughs) But um, when she came to me and she was a single mom and she had a little girl and she just reminded me of myself because I was a single mom with a little girl somehow just hearing her situation I put myself aside and started trying to help her and even give her books to read and she came to church with me a couple of times um it took my mind off of the focus of all the things that I was going through (laughs) Yeah. yeah and um so in a weird way it helped me well, it's not a weird way, but it's like <laughs> God's way. Right? It happens that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so what are the three misunderstandings about love uh, that you've discovered through your research? Yeah, well, I really discovered more than three, but the mm-hmm. kind of three majors are three that, that I can, we can touch on today. Okay. One is that you, you often hear love is a two-way street, right? You hear that? Mm -hmm. It's not. Love is a one-way street. Love is on you, period. You know, when you brought your daughter home from the hospital, you had total control, right? Yeah. You decided when she ate, when she had a bath, when she went down for a nap. Mm -hmm. And then six, seven, eight months later, all your Tupperware is all over the kitchen floor and pots and pans are banging like Mm -hmm. crazy. (laughs) You realize you've lost control. And you never get it back again (laughs) because we control nobody but ourselves. We only control ourselves. So when you get love, give love to get love, that's like, you know, I give you money. You give me a pair of jeans. It's a transaction. And love is not a transaction. Mm -hmm. Love loves period. If you give love to get love, you will, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for disappointment and loneliness and aggravation and stress. Love is 100% on you. 
It's 100% on you. You love because that's what love does. If you love to get love, you're setting yourself up for heartache and loneliness and failure Mm -hmm. because you have no control over the love that comes back to you. Love is special in that it comes back, but it could come back different than what you think. And so you give love, period. Love is a one-way street, period. I love that. Um, Love gives without needing to get something back. But the funny thing about it is you do get something back. Right. (laughs) It may not come from the source where you showed the love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love has no expectations. Mm -hmm. Zero expectations. So you, you give love period. Love is kind. You do kind things, you say kind words, you are kind because love is kind, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but sometimes you might hear someone say, oh my gosh, they didn't even say thank you or kind with zero expectation of getting anything in return. Yes, love is kind. And what's your number two? Uh, so um, love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling like, like we talked about. So when you find your one and only, just as an example, Mm -hmm. you find your person, oh my word, your head over heels, right? Butterflies in your Mm -hmm. stomach. Can't wait to walk down the aisle and say, I do. And you love them so much. And then you do that. You say, I do. And you get home from the honeymoon and he leaves his dirty underwear on the bathroom floor. And you're like, why did I marry this barbarian? Do I really love him? What am I thinking? Well, you don't withdraw your love. You don't love the dirty underwear on the floor. That's just something he did. You love the person. You love the person. You might not always agree. It's okay to have different opinions. It's okay to think differently. It's those things are okay. You might not like things that everybody does. You might not like some people. Mm -hmm. You might not like them, but that's okay. Then don't go out to coffee with them, but you can still love them. So keeping the perspective of you love the person and you don't withdraw your love because he left his toenail clippings on the living room floor. Right. I mean, those are things. I can't with that one. That one's tough. <laughs> He's trainable. He's trainable. Okay. <laughs> okay. Those are the things you get over. You know, those are the the little things to deal with. But that shouldn't, your love should not be dependent on whether or not he does things that, that you don't like. You both come from different households. Oh, you both okay. come from different sets of rules. My husband <laughs> left the cupboard door open. Oh, he left them open all the time. And I'd go behind him and shut him, shut him, shut him. And I'm like, why do you leave them open? Well, I go over to his parents' house and they're all open. (laughs) You know, so that's what he was used to. He wasn't used to shutting the doors. He said, well, it's so much easier. They're open. You just grab something because they're already open. Well, yeah, well, the kitchen looks like it's a little messy when they're open. You know, it's nice to have doors. That's why you have doors, for goodness sake. And so anyway, so there's things like that that you work through. But your love should not be dependent on that or withdrawn because of that. Just always keep in mind that it's people that you love. It's people that you love. So you can't divorce over the open cabinets. <laughs> you shouldn't. Absolutely <laughs> should not. No, no. You work on it. You work on it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the third thing? So the third thing is you do need to love yourself in order to love other people. But I think sometimes people think of loving themselves as um, pride, arrogance, um, selfishness, uh, you know, whatever word people want to put on it. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if if the Mona Lisa went up for sale, who knows how many millions and millions of dollars it would go for, right? Mm-hmm. It's because it's a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And so are you. There's never been anybody exactly like you. There never will be anybody exactly like you. Nobody has walked in your shoes. You are the only you and you are created in God's image. You're created to be who God wants you to be. Mm -hmm. 
you so there's freedom in living who you believe you're created to be and there's freedom in letting people live who they're created to be as they let you live who you're created to be so as women we're so hard on ourselves mm-hmm. right we look in the mirror you know we're upset about the way our hair looks or we look at another woman who's on the cover of a magazine and why can't you look like her you know whatever why don't you have that body and but it's the world that's decided right. what's attractive it's right. the world you know god decided you are attractive yeah. that you are beautiful that you are a one-of-a-kind masterpiece that came right from god he created you right. and so embrace that when you embrace the fact that you are special mm-hmm. that you are one of a kind created in his image and you can look yourself in the mirror and look yourself in the in the eyes just look straight at yourself and say i love you which sounds odd but if you do that for 30 days in a row tell yourself i love you no matter how you feel today 30 mm-hmm. days from now you're going to feel differently right and when you can do that so it's not a selfishness it's a recognition. Mm-hmm. You're recognizing yourself for the beautiful person that you are mm-hmm. without comparing, without judging. You know, other people are who they are. That's the way the world works. We're all different, which is beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. So with love, there's no room for judgment, no room for condemnation, no room for racism, ageism, any other kind of ism. <laughs> there's no room for competition. Right. There's there's no room for that. You recognize that you're special and yeah. so are they. And people, as passionately as you believe something to be true, somebody else might believe it equally as passionately the opposite thing, mm-hmm. the very opposite thing. Right. So it's not your job to fix people. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was the queen of that. Oh, my word. <laughs> the queen of unsolicited advice. Like I thought <laughs> I'm looking at people's lives and I'm going, well, if she just if he just tried this and I didn't have a problem telling him, you know, <laughs> did you, have you tried this? Because this is what would work for you, you know, from the outside looking in and that's not our job. It's mm-hmm. not our job to fix people. I mean, you do things like that. You lose friends in a hurry, right? right? <laughs> because people don't necessarily think they're broken or right. want, you know, they'll ask for your advice if, if they want your advice, but it, it's not your, your job is to love, just right. to love. I love what you're sharing because um, on one hand, you're saying, look in the mirror and say, I love me. And you're saying that's not arrogant. That's not prideful. No, I agree with you. That's very um, healthy Um, because I think the starting place for loving others is first loving yourself. Um, Even the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. And um, if you hate yourself, that means you're going to be pretty awful bad with your neighbor. So true. (laughs) All that disgruntled, um, bottled up negative energy, you're taking it out on other people. Right. When you have a healthy um, self-concept, that spills over onto other people, too. And I think that's why we're enjoying each other's company so much today. (laughs) We like to spill over. (laughs) <laughs> yes, spill it over exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think about like um, if there was the most beautiful pumpkin pie, mm-hmm. just the most beautiful one you've ever seen, right? And and you love pumpkin pie, and there is the most beautiful one that has ever been created, and um, it was created at not just was the was the uh the crust made from scratch. But the pumpkin came right from a pumpkin and then added to other ingredients to make this great pie. And the and the creator of this pie not just did the crust and not just did the pumpkin, but actually actually made the dirt that the pumpkins grew in, made the vine that the pumpkins grew on, made uh, everything to go with it, made it rain so the pumpkins would be healthy and everything to go with it. And created it. That's not the easiest thing, right? Created this incredible pumpkin pie. So if you look at that pumpkin pie and try that pumpkin pie and you go, man, this is the worst pumpkin pie I've ever had. Mm -hmm. 
what are you saying? You know, it's the most beautiful, most delicious pumpkin pie. So if you say that to yourself and you say, well, you know, I'm not beautiful. I'm not whatever. That's like saying to God, God, you're not good enough. Mm. You you didn't do right by me. Like yeah. I got in the long, wrong line or something, something <laughs> happened. So something's not right because you didn't do it right. But mm. you know what? God is perfect and God did it right. God got it, it right. exactly yeah. right. You're exactly who you're supposed to be. Exactly. Yeah. And you were making me think uh, a little while ago when you were talking about how we're uniquely uh, made and designed. And um, even if we look similar to each other physically, we have all this whole different set of circumstances and experiences and, and family backgrounds that we come from that's giving shape and making us think a little differently and and all of this stuff that contributes to who we are. And I was thinking about that the other day and I said, you know what? We are as unique as our fingerprints. Our fingerprints are a sign of a larger thing that's going on about us. <laughs> mm, I love that. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true. And it, it's a beautiful thing to be unique. Mm -hmm. And and let other people be their uniqueness, you know, because sometimes it can be so easy to say, well, I, I love everybody. I love everybody. But those darn Democrats or I love everybody, but those Republicans, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then you don't love everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're individuals with names created in God's image, and they are special. Right. And they belong to a club, you know, they belong right. to a group, but that's mm -hmm. not who they are. Right. God didn't say, you know, go join this group, you know, they might agree with their thing. views, but you right. can help them. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, exactly. You don't have to agree with everybody. It, right. It's okay. And that it's happens all, right. all the time, but boy, do we get bent out of shape when it's, when the group or the club is called Republican or Democrat. But we, we negotiate that all the time. We have dear friends and family members we don't like everything about them or the way they do certain things. Like you were describing the closing the cabinets or not. Um, <laughs> we don't <laughs> like the action or something uh, th that they might do, but we love them. <laughs> right. So. Love, love people. That's right. what it is. is. Love, love people for who they are. You said during a previous conversation that we're taught a warped sense of love. Elaborate on that a bit. We, well, we are. I mean, there are so many things that are done in the name of love, said in the name of love that are absolutely not love. Mm -hmm. Like if you're raised in a home where your your parents are not happy together mm -hmm. and that's that's what you've seen mm -hmm. is a marriage, chances are so much greater that you go into a marriage and your marriage will fail. Right. Because that's what you've seen as love between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents fought all the time, all the time. And I was determined that I was not going to fight. In fact, my dad spent more nights on the couch than he did in his bed. Mm -hmm. And so the first fight I had with my husband, after we got married, I said, well, you're sleeping on the couch. And he said, why? I've got a bed. <laughs> and I went, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You should sleep in the bed. <laughs> but uh, I did not want my parents' marriage. And so you can get away from that generational anything going, but you got to be determined to do it. That's true. So even the way that we're raised as kids and the love that we're shown or not shown and understanding it as love. And because sometimes people put conditions on love. Love is unconditional. Right. Love has no condition. You don't love somebody if you don't love somebody because. You don't, you don't love people that way. You just love, you just love. And that so makes me, that makes yeah. me think of people who've been like sexually violated. Oftentimes that really messes with their concept or of love. Um, and um, actually there's so many things that could affect that. Like you said, parents arguing or just physically abusive situations. And if a person doesn't get turned on to the things you're talking about today about love, they actually think that's what love is. So they almost attract or look for 
those things because they're looking for what's familiar um, to, and wind up putting themselves in the same situation. But you can change that, as you said, but it takes a lot of intentionality and and realizing that what you saw wasn't a true representation of love and then taking those steps to learn what love is and be willing to change. Like when you, you could have fought your husband and said, no, you're gonna be on the couch. But you actually took a moment, pause and said, oh yeah, <laughs> it is your bed. <laughs> and you, you made a conscious decision to change that. <laughs> It might not be your parents mm. that demonstrate love to you poorly. Mm -hmm. It might be other relatives. It might be teachers. Sure. It could be other kids. It could come from all kinds of different places. Mm -hmm. And so your idea of love and what love is can be whatever it is based on however you've been shaped and the, and the shoes that you've walked in. And, you know, every day leads us to today, right? And so if you can learn what love really is, because all you have to do is love people. It's all you got to do. Yeah. You just got to love people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you said during a previous conversation um, that sometimes the most loving things, or I want to say it differently, actually. You also said previously that sometimes one of the most loving things that someone can do is walk away. Help us understand that a little more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the things that it can be easy to get wrong about love mm -hmm. is, is we feel like, oh, we said a vow, so we have to stick it out, you know, or we've been with them. And so we got to stay, even though you're being abused physically, mentally, emotionally, however it is, or whatever is going on, or he's addicted to porn or, you know, what, whatever is going on like that. Love would say, walk away. Mm -hmm. Love, we think sometimes love says stay because you made this commitment. No, love says walk away mm -hmm. because by staying, you're enabling that person to continue in that behavior. Mm -hmm. You're not helping them at all. You're not helping them to change. The most loving thing you can do is walk away. It's, mm -hmm. It is, oh, you have permission mm -hmm. and please walk away. Mm -hmm. Walk away from bad situations. Not easy, but do it. Do it. If you really love, do it. Because that's what love would do. Wow. <laughs> so what do you tell your 15-year-old self about love? I would say that love has a lot more, to, more uh, love is a lot more than how tall somebody is or how handsome they are. <laughs> that's one thing I would say. And I would say that, uh, Love has no expectations. Love, if you think that love is something you're going to get back in a way that you think you're going to get it, then you're going to get your heart broken over and over and over again, and you're going to live a lonely life. So realize that just love, just love, walk in it, be it. You are love, so walk in it. Mm. Okay. Um, so we both talked about going through difficult times, um, potentially even, um, I shared about having experienced abuse. Um, what would you say to people about loving the one that hurt you? Well, uh, there's a difference between like and love, like we've already said, and some people, hurt people so much mm -hmm. that it's hard to even think about loving them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what? That's kind of okay because when somebody has hurt you that deeply, it can take a, take, it takes a while. You got to work through it emotionally, right? You've got to work through it all. That's one of those walk away with, things. Yeah. It's one of those walk away things. You know, you don't have to have Christmas with that person. You know, I've got a, I've got a good friend who uh, her mom married a man and her stepdad was uh, abusive to her mm -hmm. and she was still 
with her husband and kids grown up and still having Christmas together and still whatever, had to see that man and had to see him at all the family gatherings. And she finally put her foot down and wrote her mom a letter because she had told her mom that this was going on and her mom just chose to ignore it, Mm. which that happens. If you want to get together for Christmas, whatever, we can get together, but he can't be there. And that was a huge step for her and changed her life because she was so stressed before every holiday. She was so stressed every time she had to see him, like everything comes flooding back. I mean, I'm sure you have that happen, right? Where all those bad feelings, all that crap comes back when you see the person who has hurt you mm-hmm. or the place or the whatever that just brings it on. And so now she enjoys holidays mm. and she doesn't go into them all stressed up. I used to call her the Grinch. Mm-hmm. I used to say, why, why are you such a Grinch at Christmas? You know, I love Christmas. Like just be happy. Yeah. And now she is. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, all I said was that she decorates for Christmas now and she really enjoys it. And, but it probably doesn't need to be said. I mean, oh. <laughs> good. now she enjoys Christmas. That's a good place to end that thought on probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, um, can love really change the world? And why do you think so? Or... Absolutely. Absolutely. If everybody in the world, if you can imagine everybody in the world understanding love and living it, there's there would be no war. There'd be no conflict. And people people would be reaching out to help other people. Right. Poverty would go away. You know, th- things would happen in the world. Everybody would have clean water mm-hmm. because the love wants to help. Love wants to do. You know, I get sad when I think about tomatoes going bad in my refrigerator and other people not eating anything. Yeah. You know, we, we have so much abundance, more than we realize and other people are struggling for for today's bread right. and, and saying, you know, give us today our daily bread. That has a whole different meaning, that prayer, than it does to us when we've got our cupboard stocked and food in the refrigerator, right? So, true. so love would change all those things if everybody walked in it. Because there are people that get, get rich off the backs of the poor. Yeah. There are people that want poor people to to stay in poverty. Yeah. Well, if you love, you don't. Exactly. Wow. I appreciate your honesty because I believe that too. I believe that this current system, um, it won't work if we solve problems we can actually solve. And some people just, they don't want to do it for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what you were saying, sharing just now, it reminds me of what you started off with, love gives. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, every time I think of that, I mean, how can I not? This is the day before uh, Resurrection Day or, or Easter, and we already established that God is love. And what is the greatest thing that God gave? His son. <laughs> love gives. That's the greatest example. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you wrote a book, another book, <laughs> and it's called Cry Until You Laugh. What inspired this book? I know it has something to do with what you've shared already, but is there anything more you want to tell us about it so that um, maybe the audience will be interested in that book as well? Sure. Yeah. So when I got a Friday afternoon phone call telling me that I had uh, breast cancer. After I cried and called my husband and he held me and we cried some more together and slept on it overnight, I went to the bookstore and everything was either depressing or really medical. Mm -hmm. And I thought, why is there not a book that tells me what does it feel like? Are there choices to make? You know, what am I going to go through? And so I started writing, not necessarily intending it to be a book, but I started writing and I wrote when I felt like writing Mm -hmm. and I was sending them out by email. And before I knew it, 5,000 people were reading my emails. Mm 
And so cry until you laugh. I wrote, I was still writing, of course, during the time my husband was diagnosed and after he passed, because I was still going through everything as well. So all of that. So I wrote for about a year. So that's, uh, that's what crying until you laugh is because I believe that's what you have to do. Cry. Heck yeah. Cry. Mm -hmm. Cry. I mean, there are times I still cry. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission to cry, but then give yourself permission to laugh again as well. And so cry until you laugh. What do you think it was though about those emails that resonated with so many people? Um, I guess the way you were sharing. Well, I was really sharing my emotions. I was sharing my spiritual journey in it all. And I think that that was the big thing was that. So one of the things that people mentioned is how I handled things a little different than people do. Mm -hmm. Like quite often you hear people say, oh my gosh, why you, why you, you know, you do so much, you do this, you do that. And my response was, well, why not me? Mm-hmm. Why, why, what would make me immune? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe God is in heaven going, you stole that pack of gum when you were in seventh grade. So when you are 47 right. years old, you're getting breast cancer, right? right? Oh my It's not how it happens. Right. You know, your brother didn't ask for colon cancer. He didn't do something to get colon cancer, right? It was in his DNA. Unfortunately, there was a chink in the armor Mm -hmm. and it reared its ugly head. I mean, that's what happened and cancer is horrible and someday hopefully won't be anymore. But you, it's so anyway, so people were thinking about things a whole different way because Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, well, why not me? You know, not woe is me. I love that. And you you shared a couple of things today that really made me think of things differently. And I really appreciate it. So I'm feeling like this conversation that things are going to be said that's really going to make a lot of people go, hmm, I never thought of it that way. And, um, and enjoy thinking of it a different way. I love flipping the coin. I like looking at both sides of it. <laughs> um, and there's value by looking at it from both sides. Okay. Um, so what do you know that can be a bridge to help someone else get to their next level best around this topic of love? Well, I know that when you truly love people, mm-hmm. when you walk in it and you, you truly love people and are doing things for people because that's what does, are showing kindness because that's what love does, you know, being in the moment, because that's what love does, all all the different things, Mm -hmm. that your sales go up. Mm -hmm. Because people like to work with people who are authentic Mm -hmm. and real. And people know when you're not, right? So your business is going to do better. Mm -hmm. Your family life, your marriage is going to do better. Mm -hmm. I, I had a situation with my husband early on when, uh, I thought, gosh, why, why is he here? Cause I, I had a couple babies. I was changing all the diapers. I was doing all the work. I was cleaning the house, doing that big pile of laundry day after day after day. And he'd come home from work and put his feet up, watch a little TV, eventually make his way over to the dinner table, go back, watch TV. And I'm thinking my word, he's just another person I'm cleaning up after. Like maybe I'd be better off without him. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this isn't good. I was looking at him like just all he was to me was a paycheck. (laughs) And then I thought, you know, I want a great marriage. I want a great marriage. So I made a decision that I was going to love him in more ways and and do everything I could to make him happy. Mm -hmm. I was going to do anything and everything I could to make him happy. And I didn't put a time limit on it. I didn't say I'm going to do this for three weeks. And if he doesn't respond, he's out of here. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't say that. And so I'd pick up his favorite thing from the grocery store, make his favorite dinner, you know, just do whatever it was, write a little note before he left for work, you know, just do things for him, showing him how much I care and how much I love him. And I'll tell you what, things did change. Things did change. He, He did respond to that, but more so I responded. More so, it changed me. It -hmm. changed me and how I saw him. Mm -hmm. And instead of looking at him the way I was, now I saw him as as this man that I adored. 
and I wanted to do things for him. How do you come up with that? Does it just naturally come to you to flip it and say, you know what, instead of getting angry, I'm just going to start doing all this nice, nice stuff. Does it just come to you or? Well, you know, I think it's, (laughs) (laughs) well, maybe it's because of the home I was raised in and how unhappy my parents' marriage was and the determination I had to not, to not live that marriage. And so uh, maybe that is why that came to me. I, I really like it. And it goes back to, again, things that we said earlier we are our own unique individual selves and experiences and stuff shape who we are and the way we see the world, the choices we make. And you're making all these great choices that's making your life better. And now you can share it with other people and it can help make their lives better. All stemming from you didn't have the best model growing up. So <laughs> it's funny how, and I think we, as we get older, we see more and more how our not so great experiences, if you deal with them in the appropriate way, it can become something beautiful um, by learning the lesson and maybe even just helping others. Yes, because no one's going to understand. No one's going to understand it like you, right? Yeah. Whatever it is, no one's going to understand it like you. Like people can sympathize, people can show empathy, you know, and, and, think that they can put your themselves in your shoes, but they can't, right. you know, but like for me, after my husband died, I got together with other women mm-hmm. that they lost their husbands right around the same time. And that was a wonderful thing to do mm-hmm. to know. You're not the only one you're not alone. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So this is a question I ask all of my guests. Um, it's the last question. Uh, what, which one final gem can you leave with our audience today? If they forget everything we've said, this is the single most important thing. Please hold on to this, people. I would say love the person. Separate the person from the actions and love the person. And mm-hmm. get back to that first love. Get mm-hmm. back to it. Mm -hmm. There's a reason you said I do. There's a reason you guys became best friends. There is a reason that you love your neighbor, right? Get back to that first love. Remind yourself, get back to it. Get back to it. And I like what you said earlier too. Always ask what would love do? (laughs) Give back to that person. And I, I want to throw out there with that, always ask what we'd love to. <laughs> um, so this is the point where I have my guests share any information you would like to share about how my audience might contact you, get your books, et cetera. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, my book is books are available on Amazon. Love is, is available also in brick and mortar stores. It's a dark blue cover with a great big white love is. Mm. And uh, so I'm pretty easy to find because my last name is ridiculous. And I'm literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because there's two R's, two E's, two L's, S-O-R-R-E-L-L-E. My website is kimsorrell.com. And uh, be on the lookout. I've got a show coming out uh, very soon, a talk show, network talk show called Heart and Soul with Kim Sorrell. It's going to be wonderful and fun and hopefully, you know, warm your heart and fill your soul. So. Wow. And like I said earlier, um, you guys don't have a meaning my audience today. (laughs) You don't have the opportunity to see her. Um, I think if you've been inspired, inspired by her words that she shared, it's gonna be even more so when you're able to look at her and see her radiance and her positivity coming out. Um, you would enjoy to to watch her on her show. So have a lookout for that. Uh, connect with Kim uh, with her uniquely spelled name, Sorrell. <laughs> um, another thing that makes you unique. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that your fingerprint keeps expanding. <laughs> um, and then I want to just say, it's been so delightful to have you on the show. You're such 
I really have enjoyed this time. Um, and I'm really glad that you um, wanted to be on my show and that you've come on and you shared all these amazing things about love and your research and your journey, epiphanies that you've had and the way you uh, turned some, uh, I'll say, challenging situations in your life around by looking at it differently and choosing love. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure. I adore you and I love your podcast. Everybody should listen to it. But you are radiant. You glow. And I feel the love. I I feel like uh, I was just sitting in a living room talking to a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> the feeling is mutual. I felt that way, too. <laughs> so thanks again for being on the show. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.